Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, your host, coming at you from the Fargo Studios, the mothership. Here in downtown Fargo, between the railroad tracks and the cathedral. I'd like to thank Therese for producing again. Always doing a good job. Therese, we were having such a good conversation here before we started. We almost uh, missed. He said, hey, we only got a minute left. Let's get going. So <laughs> anyways, it's great. Therese always does a wonderful job. And I'd like to thank her for the professional, fun job that she does every time I am here. That's wonderful. Have a great show planned for you today. Here as we move our way through Lent, it's uh, a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time to reflect, to renew, to really get closer to Christ, and to really change some of our personal habits. You can give something up for Lent, but if you pick it right up again after Lent, okay, I'm not, I'm not dissing that. That's all right. I've done that many times, many Lents myself. But the Lents that have been the most fruitful for me are the ones where I have made habitual changes that stay with me. So just throwing it out there thinking that maybe that might be something you want to try this year. Well, as always, uh, we begin with a prayer as we begin our our, uh, show today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and loving God, we thank you. We thank you for your gift of your Son. We thank you for the gift of this Lent. Lord, help us to enter deeply in to that invitation that you give us to come out into the desert, to take ourselves away from all the noise, everything that gets in the way from us hearing you and following you. I ask you to bless our guests today. Send the Holy Spirit down to be speaking through them and into our hearts, your word, your precepts, what you want us to take away today and put into action in our lives. We put all this at the feet of our Blessed Mother and pray for her powerful intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of Lent, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Therese, I don't know if Mary Queen of Lent is one of her official titles, but it, it, it kind of fits, right? You know? <laughs> so anyway, again, Tim Moser welcoming you here to Real Presence Live this morning. We'd like to join Pat Millis. Pat, welcome to the show. Good, mor- good morning, Tim. How are you? I am fantastic. So good to have you with us today. So, Pat, uh, tell our listeners a little... By the way, am I saying your last name right there? Is it Pat Millia? So well- close. Pat Millay, like fish filet for life. <sighs> Now, look at you. I like that. That's that's something I can remember. Of course, you're making me hungry for lunch right now, but that's okay. So, Pat Malay, that's great. Pat, tell us just a little bit about where you're from, family growing up, that type of thing. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, originally from Iowa, the Quad Cities area, Davenport, went to college at uh, Notre Dame, where I learned to really love Jesus and football. And Touchdown, then, uh, Jesus. 
touched on Jesus. That's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, met my bride in grad school. We were both going to grad school for sociology and uh, theology, uh, especially for catechesis. And we got married uh, here in the Twin Cities in Minnesota in 2009. Uh, so we live on the St. Paul side of the Twin Cities now, and we have seven beautiful children from uh, ages 11 down to almost two. Um, I am a youth minister and Catholic speaker, and uh, Kenna is a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the cities. That's wonderful. That's great. So tell us a little bit about how you got into youth ministry, how you got interested in it, and how God opened some doors for you to, uh, to pursue this path. Yeah, it, I had a great youth ministry program in high school, um, and it was kind of outside of what you would picture as the, like, cool, relevant youth ministry program. You know, I think I had this this idea that uh, to be a good youth minister, someone has to be at the most 25, right? They right, have to yeah. play three instruments, they have to listen to only music that's made in the past four years, things like that. And my youth minister was a semi-retired uh, guy with multiple sclerosis, and so he was not super active, but he just loved Jesus, he loved the Church, and he loved all of us. So it was a really powerful witness for me, so I kind of went into college knowing that was maybe a path, so I, I did a theology major, sociology, I worked at a Christian camp over the summers and just really felt that call more and more each summer working with youth, uh, and then right after grad school got into parish youth ministry, and I've loved every second of it. You know, we're talking with Pat Millay. How'd I do this time, huh? Millay, yeah. You nailed it, <laughs> nailed it, well done. <laughs> Pat Millay, you know, Pat, we just said a couple things that really kind of struck me. One of them is that, you know, you're a youth minister. I, I so, so can relate to what you're saying. I grew up, and I'm much older than you, by the way, but anyway, I grew up where we didn't really have youth ministry, and I mean, we had, we had our CCD and everything that was good. But I love how you come back to the youth minister. You know, he had multiple sclerosis, so he wasn't real active, maybe didn't have a whole lot of talents, but he loved Jesus. And that is so key. That is good because above all, that's what we want when someone that's in love with Jesus and then is then is helping you get on fire for your faith as well. And I'm guessing that's something that you took forward with you. Uh, I, I'm thinking, hey, you know what? I don't have to be able to play three different instruments, although maybe you do. I don't have to be, you know, 25, no wrinkles, you know, super cool all the time. I need to love Jesus and bring that to my youth. I, did you take that with you as one of your big big takeaways, I'm thinking? Oh, 100%, yeah. And actually, early in ministry, I had very well-meaning, very loving parents would tell me, you know, you're just so good at this because you're so young. I mean, the high schoolers can really relate to you because you're, you're so close to their experience. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, I hope that's not the only reason that I'm good at this, you know? like <laughs> I'm going to get older. An ex- that was an expiration date. Right, right, right. So, no, it really was. I mean, I think a lot of the things that we do in youth ministry, um, there, there are ways that the means can be mistaken for the end, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, sure. you know, at pizza parties and um, uh, trips to amusement parks and all that stuff, like, those are a means, right? And there's no reason to get rid of those things. Those are really important elements of a good relational youth ministry program. But a lot of times it's easy to get distracted by those and mistake those for the end. Like, the point is not to give kids a great social experience. The point is to get kids to heaven, you know? So if if the trips to, you know, uh, the Mall of America or something like that, if, if those will help any of the youth know Jesus better in some way, then great, let's do it every single time. But let's not mistake that for actual encounters with the sacraments and serving the poor and living a good, virtuous life, you know? Absolutely, Pat. Talking with Pat Molay here. Pat, another thing that comes to mind, as you kind of mentioned, there are means and ends. 
Another illustration I thought of when you talk about your youth minister, the, the, the person with multiple sclerosis, means and ends. The dignity of the human person really comes through, right? Because this person doesn't have to have all these things. It's not about what talents you have or all these kind of things, right? You're a human person. You're in love with Christ. And so I look at, I'm the Respect Life Director for the Diocese of Fargo. So especially the end of life, beginning of life, it's so key. And, and of course, all in between. But it's so key to right. see that dignity of the human person in everything. Never as a means, but always an end in themselves. And I'm thinking that's something you really try to get across in what you do. Oh, that touches on literally everything, as you know, Tim. I mean, the, <laughs> uh, there are so many high schoolers that are just massively passionate for the pro-life movement. Um, some kind of have a good family background, and they're aware of the plague of abortion and what mm -hmm. that means for our country. And some, all you have to do is introduce them to the facts, and they'll immediately see the injustice and the need for dignity there. But it really extends to everything. I mean, when we talk about uh, theology of the body and chastity and things like that, it's about seeing that other person as an end in themselves, as a person that's worthy of dignity, not someone to be used for for my own pleasure, for my own gain. Um, and even what's nice is when there are youth that get maybe led astray by some of the cultural forces that are put across as justice issues and are really not, right? So some of the moral teachings that would go against church teaching, for example— it's really nice to be able to point to them, listen, I know that you care about people, you care about the dignity of these people, but let me shift your gaze two degrees to the right, you know? Like, mm -hmm. let me show you the right way that that dignity is expressed in that particular relationship or in this particular environment, you know? It really, everything comes down to that in terms of our person-to-person -person interactions. Absolutely. Talk with Pat Millay about youth, about the dignity of the human person. And speaking of which, you and your wife are going to be putting on a workshop in the Diocese of Superior. Why don't you tell our listeners about that, Pat? Yeah, so um, on uh, March 15th, coming up here pretty soon, my bride and I are leading a workshop uh, in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, on faith and mental health. Um, it's really a great blend of just uh, both of our professional approaches to ministry. You know, kind of doesn't work for the Church in a, a specific way, but... She still considers what she does in ministry, obviously. So we're going to be leading a presentation about how our faith intersects perfectly with mental health work, with psychotherapy, with counseling, and how really mental health without a spiritual element is at best kind of limited in what it can accomplish and the good that it can do. And at worst, it can lead down really broken paths. As, if, as you said, it, it ignores the dignity of the human person. It treats people without the integrity that God made us with in mind, body, and soul. Uh, so we're really excited to, to share that message with uh, the folks that are there. So true, Pat, and so important, so needy. Of course, that's so true. When we think about this, without our faith, without the idea that this, this isn't all there is, right? I mean, then, then what is the meaning of suffering, right? I mean, I was just, I don't know if you've heard of David Goodall at all, but, you know, he's a 104-year-old scientist. He does, he's famous. He's on the internet for, for ending his life. You know, I want to end it when I want to, how I want to. It's like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, wait, 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 wait a minute, you know, Christ has conquered death. He's conquered all these things. And so that's why it's so important to have our faith, as you mentioned. So tell us a little bit about, and I think you hit the nail on the head here, the loss of Christianity in our culture and in certain people's lives, right, really is profoundly affecting this, isn't it? Right, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a, a lot of mistaken uh, assumptions sometimes about what is the root cause of different mental health issues, you know? Um, mm -hmm. People, I think, oftentimes just think that if things are hard, 
people will have mental health struggles. And some of that is certainly true, and you can't ignore it. I mean, the, the reality of trauma in the lives of people, especially those who have been traumatized in any way as children, is just monstrously harmful later in life. There's always hope, and there's always healing available. But that can certainly be a real obstacle for folks. But really, um, I mean, the stats, you can look at any statistics that has ever measured this, uh, the rate of depression, and even, including suicidal ideation and suicidal attempts, is always directly proportional to the level of wealth of a person. So literally, the richer someone is, the more likely they are to become depressed and maybe even attempt to take their own life, which goes against every one of our American instincts, right? The idea that money equals happiness, and as long as I get the great job and have the huge house and the beautiful family, nothing could be wrong, you know? But the truth is, the real antidote to depression, anxiety, mental health, is just hope. It's the great Christian virtue of hope, and it's not the shallow understanding that, oh, things will get better, just hang in there. It's that we've been made a promise, as Hebrews 10 says, by the one who always keeps his promises. So the more that we can remind people of their value and their dignity, the more that we can remind people that God has made them a promise, why in the world would I ever want to end a life as valuable as mine, and why would I ever want to risk anything that would uh, risk that promise that I've been made. Yeah, so key. We're talking with Pat Millay. Great, great thoughts here, Pat. A couple of things come to mind. You know, think of some of the great, uh, you know, important people, shall we say, popular people, and I'm not you know, judging them personally, but they had everything. Robin Williams is a great example, right? I mean, funny a guy, you, you look at him and you think, wow, you know, the guy has everything, and yet somehow ends up committing suicide. Again, you know, we leave again to you know to the to the grace of God, but the whole idea is like you mentioned, wealth. People who seem to have everything, it's easy to rely on that stuff, isn't it? People that don't, wow! Now they need to turn to something else. Look at John Paul II, for instance. He said he was so quiet in his heart, even though all everything around him was so crazy, because of his great relationship, because of his great faith. And I think that's something important that you bring into these youth. Right. And all we have to do is look at the Scripture. You know, every single person in Scripture that was close to Jesus, these are people who, by our modern objective standards, lived horribly difficult lives, you know? Yeah. But um, even though Our Lady is the Queen of Sorrows, and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging <laughs> that, she was very joyful, and so were all the disciples, because they knew where their hope was. Yeah. She's also the Queen of Hope. Isn't that amazing? Hey, Pat, we're having a great, great discussion. Loving it. Looking forward to the second half on the other side of this break. So stay with us. We'll be back with Pat Millay. You're listening to Real Presence Live. And we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. 
First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, your host, coming at you from the Fargo Studios between the railroad track and the cathedral. We're talking with Pat Millay today about youth, about how we need Christianity, really, to help us with our mental health. You know, Pat, as you were talking about hope, I just couldn't help but going to Romans 5 and think about that, talking about how Paul says we boast in our afflictions, these difficulties, knowing that affliction produces endurance, and endurance proving character, and proving character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so, there, Paul talks right about faith, hope, and love, and I love that progression, right? Okay, affliction, okay, endurance, character, hope. I mean, the point is that we look at these sufferings that everyone's going to have, these difficulties, in a totally different way, through the lens of Christ, through the lens of faith, hope, and love. And I love how you're bringing that to these youth. Yeah, it's so valuable. I mean, we <laughs> in the past two years, let's be honest, that all of us <laughs> know what affliction looks like, right? Yeah. <laughs> None of us is a stranger to suffering, and it's one of the great, disservices, one of the great lies of our culture that says that if you just try hard enough, you'll always be comfortable, that you'll never experience suffering. Um, and anyone who's over the age of maybe 10 years old knows that that's not the case <laughs> at all. Uh, you know, even in our family, we um, uh, 2020 was really difficult for all of us, obviously. We thought we were out of the woods. And then in 2021, we lost my, my bride's father, mm. her next closest sister, and her maternal grandmother is nearing the end of her life currently. So we were just hit like month after month in 2021 with incredible grief. And it really forced us who, who knew this on a theoretical, theological level to really go to that place of what, do we really believe these things that we said we yeah. believe all along? You know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're faced with mortality, it, it brings up big questions. So it was really beautiful. It was a great opportunity for us to bring that grief of really just the depth of suffering to Christ on the cross, to show our kids what it means to grieve with faith and hope, and um, to really let that, as you say, bring bring a virtue and character. Yeah, so, and so important, too. It's such a blessing, right? My, our son, 
got to go through the last uh, years of my, my, my mother's life with him. Again, I'm a lot older than average, and so I'm 60 and I have a 40-year-old. But anyway, you know, God's got a plan. But that relationship yeah. was so amazing. And to have your kids then, like you said, walk through that with them, amazing. it's an amazing gift of grace, isn't it, for them to be able to live it? There. is. Yeah. Yeah. Right, absolutely. right. Because so often we, we, we sanitize the idea of death. And I think when we do that, we sanitize all of life. You know, we just rob life of its purpose and meaning because it turns out the purpose of life is not actually this life at all. Yeah, exactly. And to get them used to giving of themselves because relationships, that's what's so important. That really helps people and bring them out of depression, right? Speaking of this, Pat, now, there, is there some way we can combine our faith with that's so how we say these precepts of, you know, mental health and mental therapy. Is, is there a way we can work together with them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the great um, blessings that Kenna and a lot of wonderful therapists like her are able to bring to the mental health profession is looking at the whole person that comes to them, whether it's an individual, a couple, or a family, that they're looking at the whole person, you know, so they want to, uh, if that person is a person of faith and they're able to do it, they're able to talk about how they relate to God and how they see themselves as a son or daughter of God. Um, they're able to talk about what a Christian anthropology means for the human person. So this person sitting across from her in a session, did they realize that they were made by God in His image and likeness? They were made for love with other people, because God is love. God is a trinity, a, a union of love. And do they realize that they're called to be whole, right? Not perfect because of the fall, but to be whole. So I, I think there are so many ways that uh, a really sound spirituality, a really sound Christian understanding, Christian worldview makes mental health exactly what, is in, what, what it was intended to be all along, which is to, to create health and integrity in each human person, to create whole and happy marriages, to, to uh, really lay the foundation of great families, to build the society. Um, it's really just, it's a beautiful thing to watch um, the work that great therapists do and watch the way that benefits individuals and, and a lot of God's children. Ah, so true. Talking with Pat Millay here about youth and mental health. Now, there's no shortage of criticism, Pat, uh, of the church that we're not doing enough, you know, for youth with all, all the things going on around us, you know, the social media, all these kind of things. How do you respond to that criticism? Yeah, wow. It, it's so interesting because there are so many folks in the church who by no... Um, by no malicious intent of their own, have no idea what's happening with youth and <laughs> things like social media, right? So yeah. there are so many of our good pastors who just are not of that generation, and it's not their fault. They're not willfully ignoring anything, but they're, they're benevolently ignorant of a lot of the things that are affecting our young people, right? So I think it really is important for all of us Catholics, young, old, or in between, to just become a little bit more familiar with some of the challenges that are affecting anyone in our church and in our world, including our young people, and certainly things like social media, um, different peer influences fall into that category. Um, you know, the, the Wall Street Journal just had uh, kind of a big expose a few months ago about the ways that Facebook and their, their product, Instagram, uh, are harming especially adolescent girls. And a lot of the kind of internal memos that the Wall Street Journal found is that Facebook knows this. They know that Instagram especially has legitimate mental health harm to high school girls, and many would argue that they're not doing enough about that. Um, so those are things that I really like to bring up with the youth, 
not as a point to be made, like, hey, look at this issue, but more as a question, you know. When you scroll through Instagram, how does it make you feel about yourself? Um, how does it make you look at other people, you know? I think it's really important just to be curious with our young people to ask questions, both to inform ourselves, to acknowledge that I don't know everything, and it's important for me to learn from them, even though I'm older, and to show that I really care about them, that I want what's best for them, even if it's something that they can't quite see right now. So true. We're talking with Pat Millay about youth, mental health, and the church, Christianity. You know, I think a lot of us have heard of what we call Facebook envy and that type of thing, how when you're scrolling through, a lot of people are honest with themselves, right? They feel kind of envious, kind of like, okay, that person's got it all together. And we know in our inner life, we don't have it together. And so... That can be lead to kind of depression, kind of feeling like, oh, you know, feeling so bad. I think that's one of the things you're, you're getting at there. It's, it's and a lot. Of, I know a lot of people that have deleted their social media accounts because of that. Now, I'm not saying social media is bad in and of itself, right? That can be great, good in that, but it's a tool. It shouldn't rule, right? It should be used only mm-hmm. for good. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I the past five years, maybe I went through the process myself of getting off of pretty much every social media platform. I still check Facebook once a week mm-hmm. or so to keep up with friends. But mm-hmm. beyond that, it was actively making me a worse person, you know. And again, that's not the case for everyone. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. probably have much better self-control around it than I do. But um, that was really important for me to do. And a lot of times it comes down to kind of what you mentioned, Tim, the idea of checking the reality that we perceive when we're faced with social media. And this could happen anywhere in the world, right? I mean, if you go to the mall and you see a bunch of people wearing expensive clothes, much better than yours, it's easy to make value judgments on yourself or others based on what you perceive. But social media takes that, turns it up to 11, and puts it right in our face where it's accessible 24 hours a day. And a lot of the work that Kenna does with her clients is reality testing, she'll call it. So we're really good as human beings at creating narratives in our lives that are not helpful um, because it serves some purpose in the short term, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Nobody likes me. My friends are abandoning me, things like that. So one of the questions Kenna will ask her clients is, what is more true? So it's true that you feel like that, and those feelings are valid. It's important to pay attention to those. But what is more true? Okay, so if I'm scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and it looks like everyone's life is better than mine, what is more true? Well, what's more true is that they're probably not showing me the car accident they got into last weekend or their kids talking back to them at home, or the family vacation that made everyone way more exhausted than it made them joyful and relaxed, you know? Okay, so can I acknowledge that there's more to human life than what I see on a screen, you know? Yeah. It's, just, it, it's really important to come back to reality in moments like that. Absolutely so true. You know, Pat, I'm thinking that, you know, the church, the Catholic Church, you know, old, you know, traditional but there are some things that the church has that can really help us, some of the old things that can really help us with this fight, can it? That's, that's always the way it's been, right? I mean, it's, it's always innovation always feels good and sounds good, and it turns out that all the new things that work are really just old things, you know? Um, yeah. I can't tell you how valuable it, it is to work with high schoolers that either in the course of a retreat or in just in, in their own private lives, that they're taught to embrace the value of silence and just to to sit and to rest to reflect to pray to listen to meditate and really just to be reminded by the voice of christ who they are and what they were made for you know um to get back to 
actual healthy relationships, not trying to uh, be the, the, on the top of the pyramid at your high school, not trying to be as cool as possible in every situation that you're in, but to really focus on building up a great family, serving others, to be a servant even at your school for the kids that no one else talks to and they're not really your friends either. You know, mm-hmm. there are just so many, so many old approaches that, you know, we've been teaching for 2,000 years, but we seem to have forgotten from time to time. And all of us centers are good at that. We're good at forgetting the things that work and trying things that are seem new and exciting. But, man, it really just comes down to, to resting in God, to seeing other people. You know, when Jesus said, love your God and love your neighbor as yourself, he wasn't kidding, and it works. So we, we just need to get back to that whenever we go astray. Yeah, and the best one of the best ways for me, and I think a lot of us, is the sacraments, right? I mean... Boy, if my relationship with God isn't right, that's got to be primary. Reconciliation. I always feel better, and I am objectively better, right? Grace-filled when I leave that confessional, and I feel better when I leave. That is connected, isn't it? Right, absolutely. And, and the youth that get exposed to the sacraments, that take advantage of the sacraments frequently, even ones that maybe weren't raised with an understanding of the power of the sacraments, they really are changed. I yeah. mean, you can look at any... Uh, adoration, Eucharistic-based retreats or ministry, uh, student bill conferences, the opportunity to go to confession frequently. Um, it, it really reveals the lies that we've been told oftentimes, that I'm fine on my own and I don't need help. Absolutely. And the Church says, you need yeah, exactly. Christ, and here he is. <laughs> Say, Pat, if people want more info, what can they do? Fifteen seconds here. Sorry about that. No, yeah, if you go to the uh, Diocese of Superior website, uh, uh, Catholic DOS, org, I believe. Uh, you can have lots of information about the upcoming presentation on March 15th and uh, lots of other good stuff that the diocese is offering as well. Sounds great. Thanks. That's Pat Millay from the Diocese of Fargo. God bless you, Pat. Up Thanks, next. Tim. God bless you. Absolutely. Up next, the March for Life in our area, right after this. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.